Welcome to Real Life at the Ridge, the preaching ministry of Chestnut Ridge Church. Just absolutely thankful for this day, um, for another opportunity to, to share God's Word. I'm going to invite you to turn with me to Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13, we're going to uh, talk about something this morning and a little bit different, uh, a, with a little bit of a kind of a swing to it. I want to talk to you about debt management this morning. Immediately when we think about debt management, our mind goes to money, finances. But as we get ready to read verses 8 through 14 in Romans chapter 13, I want to challenge you to think about a different kind of debt, a debt that has actually been imposed by God upon us. And that's a hard thing to think about when you think we, we, we're, we're Christians, we're free, God doesn't want us in debt, uh, you know, that we're a slave to the lender and all that, those thoughts, they come up and those, those, there's some truth there. I mean, there is truth there in that. This morning we're going to talk about a different kind of debt. So if you would listen with me in Romans chapter 12, I mean 13, verses 8 through 14. Romans 13, verse 8 says, Owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, Paul says, are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does, not harm, does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day not in reverie and drunkenness and lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy. He says in verse 14, Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. So when we look at this text, we, we think about the idea that God has actually said in this first verse of the text that we read, that we are to owe no man anything, and, but then he throws in an exception. He says, except to love one another. Now, we could read that, if I, I'm, I'm catching it right, we can read that as God says, owe nobody anything, but do you do owe them to love them. Owe them nothing else, but you do owe them to love them. That God has in this scripture, and I don't believe we can work for our salvation. I believe that this is something that He expects of those that have been saved by His marvelous grace, that He expects us to love one another. Now, when we think about that, I'm one that if I owe something, I want to know what I owe. I don't know about you, but I, 
you know, when the bank gives you a payment book, I don't even know if they still do that, but they've, you know, they, you get this booklet they, uh, that you have 24 payments or 18 payments or 60 payments or some cases 360 payments and you, you uh, are, are more and you, you, you've got this payment book and as you pay them, aren't you glad when you get to the last one and you tear the last one off and you go to the bank? I'll never forget when I had my, uh, my own business uh, tool and die shop and fabrication shop. I bought a piece of equipment one time, went to the credit union, borrowed it on my uh, personal note on my name for, I think it was like 18 months, got the payment book. At that particular time, my dad was actually running the financial side of the business for about three years there in between two places that he, that he worked, and he came and helped me out for, uh, for a few years there. And it was during that time that I had borrowed that money and he would send me, every month he would send me with the payment slip and a check. He'd stop by the bank and pay the payment. He tore the last one off, and I went, and he said, go, go ahead and go down and let's finish this up. I stopped by the bank. I handed him the check and the payment slip. I've been watching this go on for 18 months, every time. And they said, you still owe us, uh, you know, $4 and some change. So I called him. He said, that's impossible. And thankfully, he kept good records. And I was like, well, you need to come down here and talk to them because I don't know nothing about the financial side of things, but I'm just, he's like, well, it's paid for. I got proof. And they settled all that stuff out. And, and all, we didn't know them. That was, uh, but aren't you glad to know that God does not have poor bookkeeping? That at the end of the day, when our life is given an account for, that he is going to settle all accounts, but he's not going to miss anything. He, he's, there's not going to be an a, a interest mistake. There's not going to be a payment mistake. I just say all that to say that I believe that if I owe a debt in God's name, I ought to at least know what that debt is, don't you think? Listen to what he says. He says, Owe no one anything except to love one another, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. He says what we owe, he says how much we owe, and what the settlement is at the end of the day. And then he gives even some prescription. He says, for the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there's any other commandment, he says, they're all summed up in this one saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. If you do that, he says, that you have fulfilled the law. In other words, we have done what has been required of us by God. That that's what the debt is. Don't you know? Taken, let's go a little bit further in with it and kind of break it apart a little bit. I want to use two particular verses of Scripture. Matthew 5, 6 says this, For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? You get the point there that he's saying that it's, it, it, there's no struggle in loving somebody that loves you. And within the household of faith, should it not be a peaceable kind of love within here? For we all are to love one another, but there are times and there are situations where we don't. But then if we spread that out and say that 
throughout life, throughout our days, that there are people that are unlovable, but yet the debt still remains. Listen, Ephesians 2, 4, and 5 says this, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. You think about the love that Christ showed us. Christ showed us the love in the sacrifice of His death on the cross, resurrection, His payment for our sins. While we were still sinners, the Bible says, Christ died for us. And so He loved those that did not love Him. As a matter of fact, He did it before we ever had a chance to ever do anything good or anything bad. He did. So when we think about this whole idea of what is the debt that we actually owe, because we cannot mistake what He says in verse 8. He says, Owe no one anything except for you do owe to love one another, to love your neighbor as yourself. Let me give you two, two statements here, I think, that kind of maybe help clarify a few things. We do not justify our love that we give. It's actually our love that we give that justifies us. But, but often is it not true that we try to justify the love that we give? In other words, we say, this person will receive my love because they, they're worthy of my love. That, that I'll love them because they have done me no wrong. Or I'll love them because I know that if I love them, they will reciprocate and I will receive this back. But that's not what Christ did. We could do nothing to give back to Him what He did to pay for what He did for us. You see, at the onset, it almost sounds like that the preacher is preaching to you a works-based salvation, but I'm telling you I'm not. I'm talking about people who are saved, born again, that our loving others is not going to buy us any more salvation. Our, us not loving somebody is not going to take any of our salvation away from us in the sense that if we're saved, we're saved. But yet in the midst of our lives, as we walk our life out for the glory of God, God has expectations for us. So many people don't like to think about that, that God actually expects certain things out of us. But he does, does he not? All through the Bible, he says, if you do this, I'll reciprocate and do that. If you do this, I'm going to do this. If you don't do this, then I'm going to do this. Listen to this. Christ-like love does not enter in with the preconceived notion of someone's worthiness to receive love, but on the contrary, goes in with the intent to love, looking to receive nothing back, just simply to love them. That's so contrary to the flesh, is it not? That's so contrary to the way that we think, the way that we act, the way that we our, our flesh processes. That, that we're going in, I want you to think about it, going in before we ever even commit the act of love for somebody else, we're going in with a clear conscience that we're doing this because God is wanting us to do this, not because of any other reason. And it's hard, is it not? I mean, think about it. It is extremely hard. It is a battle every single day. I'm, I, I'm coming from somewhere. Everybody has their thing. But for me, 
One of the greatest things that I can say that the salvation that God brought to my life has done in my life has, has taken me from a, a, a is, is in the process of taking me from bitterness, anger, wrath to a place where you expose your back for another scar with another knife and you do it without any reservation whatsoever, without even any thought. And that's hard to, to, to have no thought because many of us in our minds, this is what we think. It's like, they did me wrong before. They will not get a chance to do it again. Can I get a witness? Have y'all ever heard words like that? You ever think, I'm not, I, I, hey, you get me once, shame on you. Get me twice, what? Shame on me. <laughs> but that's how we think, right? That's how we act. Christ, and I think this is a thought that come to my mind, Christ exposed his back to a beating, knowing that it was people who hated him. Did you know that you and I would not love God if God did not love us first? We actually think sometimes in our minds that we conjure up within us the ability to just say, oh, you know what, I'm, I'll, from this day forward, Lord, I love you. You do, you do realize that the Bible says that he rescued us out of darkness, out of depravity. We were drowning in depravity. I was sinking deep in sin, sinking to rise no more, sinking very deep in sin. Then the master of the sea heard my despairing cry and from the waters lifted me. Now safe, now safe am I. He's the one that lifts us up out of that miry clay. And he says that we are to love others just as he loved them. So we need to understand what we owe. I also think that we need to settle all accounts daily. I think that we need to settle all of our accounts every single day. Ephesians 4.26 says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Listen to our text back in Romans chapter 13. From verse 10, he says, Love does no harm to any neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. In other words, love is actually the fulfillment. The, it, it fills up the law. In other words, it completes the law. The, it, it, when it says, Thou shalt not commit adultery, when you do not look at another person in lust, and you do it because you love them, and you love them with the love that God loved you with, you are fulfilling that commandment. But when we look at somebody else in lust, when we have thoughts that, that, that fulfill our cravings, when we commit acts that are against others that we love, then we are breaking the law. We are not fulfilling the law. And I know that we can't fulfill the law to be saved. I want to plug that in there because never will you ever hear me say 
that there's anything that you can do to merit salvation. But I can tell you this, anybody that thinks that if somebody lives any way they want to, that they have, uh, they have salvation, far cry from the truth. We will endure to the end only because God is enduring in us and through us. It is God that is doing the enduring. It is us that is walking the walk. He is working it out in us. The will and the do of His good pleasure. Same thing that goes on in this. As a matter of fact, He holds this up as the greatest need in our lives, does He not? That you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love what, church? Your neighbor as yourself. And here again, He emphasizes this. Listen to what John 9, 4, and 5 say. This is Jesus speaking. He says, I must work the works of Him who sent me, while it is day, the night is coming when no one can work, and as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Now go back to our text and listen to verse 11 and following. And do this knowing. Now he is in, this is in context with what we're talking about, loving each other. He says, and do this with the knowledge of knowing the, the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Did you hear what he said? He says, I want you to love your neighbor as yourself and do it knowing that the time is drawing near. He even goes on in the next verse. He says, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Jesus was saying virtually the same thing. He says, while I'm here, I must do the will of the Father. I must work the works that the Father has given me. I am the light that's in this world, and I must shine that light while there is time to shine the light because I'm fixing to leave. You remember our text last week, John 14? Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If we're not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place, I will come again and receive you to my, where I am, that there you may be also. And the disciples go, Lord, what are you talking about? Where are you going? What is this way you're talking about? He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody, nobody comes to the Father except through me. And then they begin to transition the conversation. I say transition. Jesus begins to explain to them that they have to live in this world, but they don't live in this world alone. He said, I'm leaving. They had him there physically with them. And while they had him there physically with them, he could tell them, don't do this, do this, teach them this way, show them this particular thing, model before them. He could shake hands with them. He could hug their neck. He could speak to them like that. And he says, I'm leaving, but I'm going to pray that the Father would send another, send a comforter. And this is one thing, just pulling it out of the context of John 14. He says about the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, He says, and He will teach you in all truth. That the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit of God, sometimes we get it mixed up. He is to testify of Jesus Christ. He is to glorify Christ. He is to convict the world of sin. And He does that within the believer, does He not? If you're a child of God today... I hope and pray that you can say that God eats my lunch when I sin. And I'm going to say that one more time. That if you're a believer today, when you do wrong, when you sin, 
God ought to twist your stomach to almost the point that if you don't get it right, you're sick because you don't get it right. You have to get it right. You are compelled to get it right. If you've got to drive across town, you've got to get it right. If you've got to make a phone call, you've got to get it right. You've got to get it right. Why? Because the Holy Spirit of God is there to convict us of our sin. He is also there to empower us for the good things that God wants us to do. He's always been there for those things. But for us, it's different. On this side, He is with the, with the church today. He is within the believer. Every single one that is in Christ Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God, dwells within us. Listen, when we think about settling all of our accounts, Christ exemplified before us. He said, I've got to work the works while I'm here. And you and I, we are to put on the armor of light. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. And we don't hide a light up under a bushel, but we let it shine, right? That's why we're here. We are the light of the world because Christ is in us. And so every single day of our lives, we have to realize we have a debt that we owe. We are to love our neighbors as ourselves. We are to make sure that every day we settle our accounts. As a matter of fact, I would go so far as to say, I think we should get into the practice of settling it throughout the day. None of us knows when our day is going to end. And if there's anything that the last four weeks, definitely the last two years, but the last four weeks have pressed upon me, is that I need to hug my children a little more often. I need to tell them I love them more often. I need to hug my grandbabies more often, speak to them and tell them I love them. Even though I've always told my wife when I leave the house, when I come home, that I love her, I need to tell her more often because, and I need, well, I'll get to that in a minute, but because you don't know when the last day is. There are plenty of people right now that would testify the fact that they have stood in hospice houses they have stood beside bedsides and they have st stood at funerals to say, I wish I had one more opportunity to tell mama I love her. I wish I had one more opportunity to do one more thing to show them that I loved them. But you don't. And he's saying we ought to live like that every day of our lives knowing that we don't know when the last day is. Brock O'Brien didn't plan on his day. And there are plenty of people that are in the hospitals right now. Loved ones can't talk to them. They didn't plan that. It happened. It's reality. It's life. And he, I believe, has given us his word so that we would live in the reality of the truth. He's speaking to us. He's pleading with us. Saying, you don't know when your last chance is. You must work the works now while it's day because no man knows when the night is coming. And the day is far gone, he says. Listen to what he says. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness. 
You know what that means to me? Don't write bad checks. Don't write bad checks. So you need to, we need to know what we owe. We need to settle all of our accounts every single day. And we need to not write a check that's going to bounce. Now, what do you mean by that, preacher? Well, listen to the text for just a moment. He says, let us walk properly, um, like decently. And, and, and let me just pause there. I didn't say this in any of the other services, but for whatever reason, God just brought this across my heart. If there's anything we need today is some decency. And I'm not speaking this as if I'm the one to look to for the model of decency. But as I, I walk more and more in the light of the law of the perfect liberty of Jesus Christ, I realize more and more just how indecent we are. And when we settle up accounts with people, don't do it through a text message. I'm going to say that one more time. As a matter of fact, I, I'm just about to the point now to where I would just so, go so far as to say, don't have any kind of conversation that amounts to anything that's worth anything, that, uh, that has anything to do with relationships or anything like that through a text message. That's lazy, inconsiderate, and cowardice. If you don't have the wherewithal within you to care enough about somebody to hear their voice or to see their face when you're talking to them about something serious, then probably don't need to do it at all. I can tell you right now, and I don't mean this arrogant, I'll, I'll calm down a little bit. I, Christy says, you just seem like you're so mad sometimes. I don't, I'm not mad. But I'm telling you right now, whenever the text messages get to the point to where I'm like, uh-uh, no, 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 this is, you're, this is some misunderstanding going on. You don't understand what I'm saying. No, that is the end of the text messaging. And I say text message, messenger, Snapchat, TikTok, whatever. And I'll just go so far as to say this too. I, I don't know why, but I'm just going to do it decently and in an order. Let your life be the same in person as it is on TikTok. Because I promise you, God knows. Don't write bad checks. He says, let us walk proper, properly, decently, as in the day. Not in reverie, not in drunkenness, not in lewdness, not in lust, not in strife, not in envy. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Now think about this. How many times, and I'm going to use myself as an illustration, have we done things like this? Hey, honey, can you take out the trash? Yeah, I'll take that stupid trash out. Right? Y'all okay? How many times have we said we love somebody while our teeth are gritted together and we say it through, yeah, I love you too. You know? You know what that is? 
That's a check that's going to bounce. Just because we say it does not mean it is credited to the debt. Right? And we, we got weeks to come with this because we're going to kind of settle in and kind of pick some things apart with, with this whole idea. But we've even said ourselves, you didn't mean it, right? Well, I told you I love you, yeah, but you didn't mean it, right? In, in the letter to the Corinthians, Paul wrote these words. I want you to let these words sink in for just a moment. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures, listen, endures all things. Love does not take record of the wrong. But love rejoices in what's right. Now let's, let's just spend there a few seconds right there. So in other words, I could say for folks that are not technically savvy, you got to get the notepad out of your pocket where you've got all of the list. I'm going to tell on myself. I watch a show called The Big Bang Theory. Sheldon Cooper has a list of all of his enemies through all the years. He has a detailed account of all of the wrongs that he perceived has ever been done to him. And he will not let it go till all accounts are settled. You and I, the Bible says that the love that we're talking about does not keep record of wrong. Now, I didn't write it. That's Jesus. Y'all with me? The Lord wrote that through the Apostle Paul. Love keeps no record of wrong. So now if you're a technological person, get your phone out, open your notepad up, and, and he says that we are to erase it. We're to clear it off. But, but preacher, you don't understand. If I do that, I'm opening myself up. I remind you again of Jesus at the whipping post. Do you know that the Roman government did not crucify Jesus Christ? He let them crucify him. I want you to get the picture of the fact that the king of glory was not apprehended by the Roman centurions dragged to the whipping post and they're beaten and spit upon and and all and then forced to go to the cross and to die on the cross because he was not man enough to fight back the bible says that he laid down his life willingly voluntarily but preacher you just don't understand if i do that then then i am you just don't know what i'm opening myself up for I may not, but he does. And he actually says that if you're going to follow me, expect it to be the same. If anybody preaches any other gospel, he says, let them be accursed. And I'm telling you right now as I stand before you, anybody that tells you that, the, that life is not going to be like that, if you, I'm here to tell you right now they are a charlatan and they are not worth the salt that it took to make them to say those words. 
I'm telling you, the Bible teaches us right here and now that if you are to follow in the footsteps of Jesus Christ, you will go through the sufferings that Christ went through. You will go through the mockings. You will go through the false accusations. You will go uh, accusations. You'll go through all of these things. You will be scorned. You will be ridiculed. You will be told to be a liar, a thief, a charlatan. You'll be told all these things. And you say, preacher, I can't bear that. I can't love those people. And I'm here to tell you, you're exactly right. You can't. But that's not what the text says. The text says that you are to put off every provision for the flesh. That you, you and I are to just deny every provision. For, in other words, I cannot make a provision when I come in to love you. I can't go... I'm going to love them, but I'm going to hold on to this ability right here that I have. You push me too far, and I'll show you mama bear. You push me too far, and I'll show you something. He says that we are to cast off, to take off the flesh, and we are to clothe ourselves, put on Jesus Christ, the light, he said, the armor of light. Say, but what kind of life is that to live? See, the thing is, I don't get to give you any other options other than the book. Are y'all okay? Does that mean that I'll never have joy? Nope, I'm going to read about joy in just a minute. I will. I'm going to read about joy, but I want you to hear my heart. When we go in to love people, and I believe God is he's always doing tremendous things in our presence here at Chestnut Ridge, but I'm telling you right now, I, I know without a shadow of a doubt with the, uh, with the spiritual warfare that's stacking up against us every single week just recently, I know without a shadow of a doubt that God is going to be doing some tremendous things. And He is preparing us. That's why we're here in this text this morning. He is preparing us because as more people get saved, more people come in, there's, a diff there's always going to be more and more of a mix of folks within here, more, but there's more opportunities to serve, but we go out and do missions. Just like we're on the, uh, October 22nd, we have been invited by Bessemer City, the city of Bessemer City, to come. They're going to shut down the street. Tell me God's not at work. That they're going to shut down. Listen to me. They're going to show a movie. They're going to draw people in to an area, and they want us to love them. We're going to get to share the gospel with them. We're going to get to tell them about the ministries here at the church. We're going to get to pray with them. And the city of Bessemer City asked us to come do it. I mean, come on, folks. You can't get two churches to do that together. And the city of Bessemer City is going to shut the street down so we can stand on Main Street and share the gospel of Jesus Christ with people and love them. And let me just tell you something. What we got to make ourselves aware of is that we can't go over there to write bad checks. Uh-uh. Well, what if they take advantage... They're just going to eat all these funnel cakes. They're just going to do all this stuff, and they'll never, they're never going to come to church. And, and it's just like, is it not? We, when you pull up to the stop sign, 
It's a red light. And they're holding the cardboard card up there. Need help, food, whatever. And, and, and if the Spirit of God is prompting your heart to give them 5 or 10 or $20, whatever it is, and He actually prompts you to give it to them, don't you tell me that your flesh don't think those thoughts. Well, I wonder what they're going to do with it. I know how to fix all this. I'll take them to the store and I'll buy the food for them. Let me just throw this out there for you. You better know that God told you to tell them to walk over to Wendy's so that you could buy it. Because if God actually said for you to give them $10 and you did not and you just went over there and done that, then you are out of the will of God, my brothers and my sisters. And you wrote a bad check. See, because it is not up to you and me to decide if God makes a wise decision in what we should do. Think about what God did when He sent His Son, Jesus, to this earth. Anybody would call that a bad decision because He knew ahead of time that we would ridicule Him, that we would reject Him. He, he knew that He was going to find me in the midst of a ditch of despair and depravity, an alcoholic, a profane mouth, a heart of anger and wrath and bitterness. He knew that. He knew it before he ever come here. He knew it before he ever made this place. Yet he come anyhow. And the Bible says when he was accused, he opened not his mouth. Why? Because he came to do the will of the Father who sent him. He came to do exactly what the Father wanted him to do. And again, he just exposed his back for some more. And he says, listen to John 15, 9 through 17. Please listen to this intently as I read through it. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide, he says, in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my, listen, that my joy may remain in you. What joy is this in this preacher? This sounds like absolute horror. We're to expose ourselves so that people can mistreat us? I remind you again, first verses I ever learned in the Bible, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. First sermon I ever preached, because it's the only verses I knew. By heart. Wherefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, what witnesses? Witnesses that have been accused and beaten and drawn and quartered and beheaded and whipped and stoned those witnesses since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith who for the 
joy that was set before him. What joy? The joy of the day that he would take his place at the right hand of the throne of Almighty God to hear his father say, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. He endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of Almighty God. That joy. He says that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, than to lay down one's life for his friend. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what the master is doing. <clears throat> but I have called you friends for all things that I heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. You get it? The fruit that's going to remain is when we are faithful to not write bad checks. And that your fruit should remain, and that whatever you ask the Father in my name, He may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. The Bible actually says that they shall know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Love cannot be accomplished in the clothing of the flesh. It's impossible. So let me just say this. You and I cannot write a check to cover it. But there again, if we have, an, I believe as Christians, God has given us a new account to write checks out of. I'm just saying it that way just to help you get it in, in an in a easy way to grab a hold of it. That you and I, if we write the checks out of the account of our flesh, they will not be any good. We can't do it. I can't love you. I can tell you right now. And you probably feel the same way. That there have been many, 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 many times in my life to where I would defend my, could defend myself. And if I would have, I'd have been wrong. And there may be folks sitting in this room right now you still, in your mind, if you had a conversation right now, there would be a but in the conversation. And it's your but in the conversation. And it's the but that says this. Oh, yeah, yeah I, I love them, but. And I'm not trying to play on words too much here, but God wants you to take your but out of the conversation. And He wants you to... Use the love of Jesus Christ in you to love them. Because, listen, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make no provisions, no plans, no preconceived things. No, don't, make, don't, don't do any of that for your flesh to fulfill its lust. And I know how it is. I do. I love to brag about sometimes what I would have done to somebody before I came to Christ. And I think that that's writing a bad check. Because I just nullified that. Well, if God would turn me loose, boy, I'd show him something. But God's got me held down. You know what that does? That feeds my flesh. 
It does. And I'm just testifying in front of you that that's what I wrestle with. It's not right. And I need to repent of it now. The human nature, the physical man, the lust, the desires, the longings, the cravings, and to put on Jesus, the light of the gospel. I'll never forget at Bat Cave Baptist Church, there was a revival going on one week before we ever went into the new building. I was happened to be there when they were uh, in the process of building a new facility. We were in the old sanctuary, uh, if I'm not mistaken, built in the 1800s. It's a historical site. They added on to an educational building and a little fellowship hall onto the back of it, but the, the front building. As a matter of fact, they still have the schoolhouse. You ever go up through there and you go up through Chimney Rock from off 74, you go around Lake Lure and go up, you hang a left, and you're headed up to Hendersonville. If you'll look to your right, there's a little red schoolhouse sitting on the hill there. That's the actual schoolhouse that you, if you look watch old movies or you're old enough to know how things started and all, a lot of times they would have Sunday school or a teaching time or church or whatever in the same building that they had school in. A lot of people don't know this, but truthfully, Sunday school was the earlier forms in a lot of places of actual school. That They didn't teach you know, uh, Jonah and the whale in Sunday school, there's a lot of places that actually taught grammar and math because everybody had to work on the farms, right? This is before everybody had to go to school all week long, and, all, and they would sit around and teach because they had everybody there that day, and all, and you know, anyhow, you tell some people that, and they'd be like, oh, no, 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 they taught the Bible, it's whatever, anyhow. They did that so that they could teach the Bible and so that people could read and do and So anyhow, but that little building, that building's there. We were in that, the next building up. And the preacher that was preaching revivals just seemed to be getting nowhere in his mind. Had his sermon all planned out and everything, and it just wasn't going nowhere. And he said, I just need to stop. That ain't exactly what he said. But to be honest with you, I can't even say what he said. I don't feel comfortable sharing it and all because this is a little on the edge, even for me. But he stopped. And he said, I'm just going to share my heart. And, and, and to paraphrase what he said was, he said, I feel like I'm trying to shove a bottle in a full-grown man's mouth. He said, so I'm just going to share my heart. And he started sharing his heart. I'm sitting back in a little alcove up under the balcony. And a woman stands up on the left side. Now, I've been going to church there long enough that I kind of knew a few folks. Stood up on the left side, and she looked across, and she said, called out a lady on the other side. My security mode fires off. I'm like, oh, Lord, we're fixing to fight now. And she called her out to her, and she said, I've been holding something against you for a long time. And she said, and I'm sorry. And them two met up in the middle of the church in the center aisle. They started crying and snotting and forgiving each other and loving each other. Next thing you know, somebody else did it. Before you know it, the altar's full of people, people's hugging each other and loving each other and crying and going on. And 
We've been commanded by God to take care of a debt in our lives. Every day it is a debt that He put before us. And it is to love people with no preconceived notions, no expecting anything out of them, just to love them openly like Jesus loves us and to settle those things because you don't know when you're going to be called upon. And to do it, not in the energy of the flesh, but in the power of the Spirit so that we don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Denying ourselves the right to be right. And as we've said before, let God be right and let all men be liars. God will settle all accounts. He says, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And that every day of our lives we are to live in the fullness of the joy of the mercy of Jesus Christ and freedom, knowing that He is the one that is satisfied with us. And we trust Him that He's got all this taken care of. How would your marriage be different? How would your family be different? How would your workplace be different? If you honestly, you said, I don't go to work to love people. You're to do everything that you do as if you're doing it unto the Lord. If you clean in the house, you clean the houses unto the Lord. Man, my son-in-law, I mean my son-in-law, yeah, well, my son-in-law is responsible for part of it. My grandson, I'll, I'll finish with this, this, this one right here. They left me alone with Sawyer. And they knew I was going to take a nap. Sawyer's watching TV, sitting in the recliner beside me. <laughs> I dozed off, popped back up. He's not in the recliner. Doors are locked. He's in the house. So, I mean, we're good. Sawyer. Yeah, Pops. Hey, Pops, I pooped. <laughs> I'm immediately awake. I pooped in the potty and on the potty lid and on the floor and on my underwear and on my shorts and on my hands. Do everything that you do as if you were doing it unto the Lord even if it gets messy do it all for his glory you stand with me for just a moment how, how I'd like to end is this I'd, I'd like to just say that you, you pray about where you're at with things with the Lord you know, are there, are there any unsettled accounts? Is there anything that you have written a bad check on, but you need to, you know, it's time to write a good one? It's hard. It honestly is hard. It's hard when you've been hurt. It's hard when you've been offended. It is hard. Love, though, wins out. 
As a matter of fact, the Bible says that love covers what? A multitude of sins. So I encourage you, and I'm praying for you that God will be your strength. God will be your high tower, a refuge for you to run to. And that whatever relationships you got that you need to square up and write good checks on, you would do that before the sun goes down because you don't know if you'll have a chance tomorrow. And then when we leave out of here, understand that when we wake up tomorrow, we've got responsibility. And we need to take care of those responsibilities and do it in the power of Jesus Christ. If you're not a Christian today, if you're lost, I'll be, I'll be here to meet with you, and I'll stay here as long as I need to stay. Please don't leave here without that being straight. And then I want you to know I'm praying for you, and I ask you to pray for me. We're going to make this. This is what we do together. This is doing life together as Christians, as believers. Thank you for listening today. Pastor Greg wants to share with you how the gospel changed his life and how it can change yours too. You know, Tim, it was the gospel that saved me. I'll never forget when Ray Elder came into my life, uh, God put him there and he shared the truth of the gospel with me, that I was a sinner, that Christ died for my sins, and that if I would accept him as the Lord of my life and follow him, that he would change my life. And that's exactly what he's done. I wonder if that's something that you would like to do today, that you would today before God just admit, you know, God, I'm a sinner, I'm lost, and I need you. And God, I believe that Christ died on the cross for me, and I want to accept his payment today for, for my sins, and I want to live for him from this point forward. If you pray that prayer today, we want to welcome you into the family of God. We also want to encourage you to contact us. You'll find a link below where you can reach us, and so we look forward to hearing from you. so much that he gave his son for us. Amen. God bless you guys.